0: will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whomsoever you may choose to identify as, welcome to the DaoStronaut podcast. Thank you for joining me, your host, Ben Baldieri, on this journey to the edge of the blockchain universe, where we will be exploring the uncharted expanses of the DAO space. DAOs, or decentralized autonomous organizations, are made possible through blockchain technology and will form the backbone of Web 3.0. DAOs represent the next frontier of human creativity, collaboration and potential and give us the opportunity to fundamentally reimagine how we organise, what we organise around and why we choose to do it. On this voyage I will be interviewing the most exciting and innovative projects in the DAO space picking apart what exactly it is that they are up to, analyzing how they are going about it, and understanding why they too have embarked on this quest into the expanse. doing this and in you, my fellow DAO astronauts, choosing to join me on this odyssey, we will learn just how revolutionary DAOs can and will be. These organizations and this way of organizing are going to change absolutely everything and in choosing to join me on this adventure you have secured your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future. To say that I am excited about the promise that this future holds would be an absolute understatement, so let's all suit up, lay back, and strap in for launch. One thing that I must insist that everybody remembers for the duration of this voyage is that nothing that is said on this podcast is financial advice. With that in mind, please sit back and enjoy the ride. Good evening slash good morning, Peter. G'day, Ben.
1: Thanks for having me, mate.
0: Thank you very much indeed for coming on. Um, this is this is one that I've been excited about for a little while um, because we are going to get to explore the, the confluence between two things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in the same space. But as you read further into it, you understand that they are near enough a match made in heaven, and that is transhumanism and decentralization so i think before we dig into those two things um the best thing to do would be for for you to give us just a little bit of your your kind of conventional background how and how you have ended up here
1: <laughs> thanks ben. it's a pleasure like you know we love chatting earlier as well but i'll give you the spiel again <laughs> yes. so uh yeah i was yeah, born in uh, China in the northeastern border between Russia and North Korea. It's a bit of a rock and a hard place and uh, yeah it's a city called Harbin, the frozen city right. It's, uh, they celebrate all the, the awesome weather over there with uh, these castles made of ice and snow and they call it a you know the winter festival, the snow festival. Um, my parents loved it so much that you know they they moved to Australia when I was seven years old just to find some better ones and uh, some opportunities for me. Um, yeah, they were awesome. And, uh, you yeah, know, gave me a great education. I went, I went through the typical Asian, you know, satisfactory background of doing a commerce and law degree, uh, you know, ticked that and um, satisfied them and got a job in a big four accounting firm. So <laughs> it, was, it was good times. Happy parents. Um, and then I was, uh, beautiful they were like oh you know where my son works <laughs> <laughs> and then after that it was just I, I saw that digital and data sort of wave hit I guess most of the corporates back in 2014 2015 when everyone started putting together their 2020 strategies you know that, that the awesome time when people were looking forward to 2020 and uh, that was when they thought okay digital <laughs> data design that was going to be embedded in every part of the business if you don't go on and don't get on this bandwagon then you're going to be you know pretty much out of the game right especially when all your profits go like this and uh and so yeah i went on to that seconded into data analytics and realized that i could actually lead this type of thing so i started at kpmg to lead their digital and data design uh analytics capabilities But through that pivoting period, you know, I I went really deep because I had some some time to sort of do my research and scan the environment. And uh, it's things like artificial intelligence back in 2014 was starting to, you know, reach that peak of the hype, you know, with IBM Watson, I think 2012 when Andrew Ning came up with that deep learning findings from Google and the ability to, you know, label those coffee cups, you know, being able to identify that for the image recognition. That wave, right, really got me deep into this AI. And then that's when I saw that with Ray Kurzweil at Singularity University. And that was that was a point of no return, right? So transhumanism was all about, you know, how do we extend the healthy human lifespan with artificial intelligence and nanotech and the biotech research. And, uh, you know, with, with the stuff that we're doing and the singularity could, you know, hit by 2045. So transhumanism became a way to actually find a way to do it. So this is the uh, amazing times that uh, I got into. Um, I tried to find some like-minded people around um, in Sydney. I was like, who in Sydney could, uh, you know, I talk to about transhumanism, right? It was like people thinking, okay, this is part of the LGBTI community. You know, do we, do we have a festival as well? I go, I'm like, yeah, we're all for that. We're all for that. It was like it's about transcending, you know, how do we transcend the limitations of our human biology through science and technology? And, uh, you know, how do we extend our healthy human lifespans? How do we increase our intelligence, right? With the brain computer interfaces, you know, our smartphones are sort of almost there, but slowly it will become more and more integrated with our thoughts. And uh, how do we improve well-being so that no one is left behind? so this is sort of the transhumanism pillars and uh, so we had a meetup back in 20 late 2014 around this time i think uh yeah it was december i remember 2014 it was just at a pub uh, so we had a pub meeting uh, where all down things you. You do, that's right the, the, the liquid courage really lets your thoughts <laughs> flow right <laughs> um so you know about five people showed up so it was uh myself and uh some of these sort of original gangster transhumanists that have been part of this journey since 20 i guess 19 1990s it was really like it started in 1970s this thing you know when people really after the hip the hippie sort of age they started looking at you know after the space race how do we use science and technology for good and the sci-fi futures that they were looking forward to There was a whole World Transhumanist Association, which became Humanity Plus, and uh, that's run by Natasha Venomor. She's amazing. And um, yeah, so this local community, we we started having more and more beers over the weeks and and grew our base. And we're at about 1,100 people strong in Sydney, and uh, there's a Melbourne uh, chapter as well. Um, And then we worked with Singularity University. Um, So I'm now part of the global faculty at Singularity U talking about emerging technologies and transhumanism. Um, and and essentially that that was a seven-year journey of sort of building that community up and trying to educate and invest in these projects. Um, so for example, we looked at all the aging related research through Dr. David Sinclair over at Harvard University and he Aussie based, uh, you know, at Eunice Dudley Medical School as well. Um, and we looked at brain computer interfaces through the work of uh, Dr. Avinash Singh, who's currently I'm working with uh, through Transhuman Coin. Uh, he, he actually won the Google TensorFlow Award for setting the standard of brain-computer interfaces. And uh, it's just a pleasure to work with him on a day-to-day basis. But yeah, on the IEEE, you know, setting the future standards of how these brain waves could uh, yeah, get standardized and applied across um, all the interactions that were there. So yeah, that was, that was just a, a really long journey. But, you know, this is how we got to coming up with this idea of transhuman coin, right? And it was something we thought about, Back in 2017, before the the whole whole thing went to shit, and all the crypto <laughs> businesses was just like you know anyone could do an ICO, or a white paper, and a, a sl- two slides and a website, and uh, you know they wouldn't be making millions of dollars. But then obviously that was going to not have a happy ending, and uh, so we thought, okay, we'll park that until I guess what happened recently. Our South African colleagues, because transhumanism is a global. Um, connectivity network, um, our South African colleagues had just decided, hey, let's, let's just do it. Look, it's so easy. The tools today in 20, 2021 are so abundantly available that you could hit a button with you know one Binance coin and mint a token. And that's what they did. So they, they locked the liquidity. So they knew about all these sort of things that would happen if you don't have these measures in place, rug pulls, scans, all the mm-hmm. things, all, oh, there's so much fraudulent activity happening, it's ridiculous. But they, they sort of knew their they were crypto natives and so they sort of knew their, their way around things. So they locked the liquidity and they started reaching out to the transhumans community and I was sort of the first one first ones they reached out to. And I was like, holy crap, this is something that we've wanted to do since 2017 and building this community of the last seven years. Let's do it. So um, Dr. Charles uh, over in South Africa and Jenny, they're, they're the sort of co-founders with myself, um, along with my wife, Elise. And, uh, you know, we, we started this journey out to reaching out to the transhumanist leaders uh, all around the world, like Dr. Natasha Vedamore, uh, and also Dr. Avinash Singh, who now sits on our scientific advisory board. Um, and transhuman coin is really a token dedicated to the transhumanism movement. Um, the, every, every transaction, so every buy, or sell or transfer, 2% of that goes to all the holders of transhuman coin. And that includes the fund wallet. So this wallet allows us to make these donations to the projects that we actually are passionate about uh, and are for the movement. So transhuman projects are now actually getting funded through the community's empowerment, you know, of, of crowdsourcing, nice. this sort of holding of transhuman coin. Like that's just <laughs> like a, a plug-minute how fantastic. fast it's done. This is only four months ago. So this is <laughs> yeah, like, really what
0: exciting. is that in, in crypto years? Crypto years are like dog years <laughs> yeah, I mean, true <laughs> however many of that has been up until this point. I, I there is there is so much to unpack there. And I'm I'm so excited about absolutely all of it. It's um, to, to, like from to, to pick up on what you said um, slightly earlier about like what is transhumanism? Like, it's this idea that through science, through technology, through research, we are able to effectively transcend the limitations of the, <laughs> this mortal coil, like the, the, the mortal form <laughs> that we find ourselves in. Um, and that fundamentally, a lot of the issues we face from like an aging standpoint and from a from a from a a breakdown standpoint are engineering challenges to a certain extent. And there Mm. are ways that you can build things that will support these challenges and eventually overcome them. I mean, that's kind of my interpretation of of what it is supposed to be. Um, And I like so there are so many subsects to to transhumanism. You've got Mm. AI, you've got longevity, you've got intelligence increases through like neurotropics and um, brain computer interfaces, physical augmentation, potentially in the future. Like then we get into the realms of like deep sci-fi with cyborgs and stuff like that. How, how does, how, how does one make all of that kind of fit together in Mm. an um, under an umbrella? that is obviously now a global movement, but there are so many different subdisciplines that are kind of working together under this umbrella of transhumanism. How do, how do you organize a community around something that is so disparate in terms of the, the underlying disciplines that are forming each of the separate silos within the overall field? How does that yeah. work?
1: It's really challenging. You can just see on Facebook, there's like, there's about a thousand different transhumanism groups. There's like scientific transhumanism, egalitarian transhumanism. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, something about, you know, super longevity in terms of like they're all sort of splintering out. So it's sort of hard, to, like you say, to bring it all together under one umbrella. But I kind of see it as almost like, you know, a climate change action type movement like Greenpeace was. And you'd have all these offshoots, right? You know, you'd have you know people that want to use to plant more trees, people that want to use uh, do renewable energy you know, people that want to, you know, limit the sort of waste of energy that we currently do. How do we actually use? And then there's people that want to do things like... um there's this new this uh, called techno guyanism right? This is another like sort of futuristic concept where if you just turn everything, have this sort of type one civilization control of all the energy you have on the Earth, then you and can actually turn on
0: the on the Caridushev scale, right? yeah. uh, making use of all of the energy available to you on the planet. Just for that's a right. little bit of context there.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's like you know, it's like. Well, how, what happens when you can control like the weather system and, you know, the sun, uh, the power of the sun, all, all the sunlight that hits the earth, if you're able to capture all of that, for example, with, uh, you know, what Elon's trying to do with with solar power and and the, batteries and and little things we can do to electrify the earth and so once we get there that that technogyanism view is that all right we could actually turn earth into a sort of a collective intelligent entity right being able to fully power it and then start just just you know taking off and just go all right i think we're we're, we've seen this part of the solar system yeah (laughs) on to the next one um so that's sort of like the futuristic different splitterings but yeah like you say it's that identity at the end of the day around, okay, we care about climate change, for example. So transhumanism, we care about how do we transcend these biological limitations. And so if you identify as a transhumanist, sure, you could be, you know, more pivoting towards one side of one pillar of it around longevity. You could be more pro around the brain-computer interfaces, but at the end of the day, you're all about that sort of common movement um, and that's a broad church almost, right? Not to say that transhumanism is a religion. It's very scientifically based. But saying that, there are offshoots of religious versions of this, like Christian transhumanism and Mormon transhumanism. And, uh, we, you know, look, we're all, we're all for it. the more that we can include, the better. But at the end of the day, yeah, if we can get behind that common purpose of extending healthy human lifespans, improving intelligence and well-being is uh, the way to go. So
0: in, in terms of the you mentioned that you you looked at launching the the coin in twenty seventeen, but this was obviously during the the, the twenty seventeen ICO frenzy phase where people were getting burnt left, right, and centre and then everything died for two years basically. So not necessarily the right term to do it from a from a zeitgeist standpoint. It wasn't yet fully in the public consciousness in the way that it would need to be to get some serious community building around this idea, and reaching people that aren't wouldn't necessarily have been reached were it not for the the power that cryptocurrency and, by extension, blockchain and the communities that are forming around these ideas that we can decentralize and we can disintermediate, and we don't necessarily have to subscribe to these conventional structures in terms of funding and community building anymore why was why was this year the right time to do it though like was there yeah. was there a particular kind of inflection point for you where you thought is that actually i mean the guys obviously they forked on bsc so this is yeah. <laughs> this is the the least <laughs> shitty shit coin that i've heard of on bsc so far owing to the fantastic <laughs> reputation that the binance smart chain has oh not yeah not to say that they're all bad just as a disclaimer i, I do not want to be sweet game yeah
1: and we got some sweet
0: game yeah. <laughs> well, we won't talk about that one yeah.
1: <laughs> but like
0: what was the what was the impetus for for mm. now being the right time yeah,
1: yeah, thanks. It's, but it's, it's really that sort of accessibility um, that made it happen. I mean, back in 2017, there were lots of these promises of tools um, that were build on these new chains. You didn't have a Binance smart chain. So, you know, the gas fees weren't that high, though, back in the days, right? So, it wasn't that much of an issue. Um, but the tools to be able to create your own coin, you still had to be very technical and, you know, know what you're doing. And also, there was a, a way to verify. The way that you know can with smart contract audits these days, and so I said I think over the last four years, four and a half, um, all those tools have started to slowly, slowly build in the background. And then 20, 2021, you know, for example, when Binance Smart Chain launched, there's a whole raft of sort of non-technical tools that are available. For example, like if you go to these Coin Minter websites, right, whether it's DXL or if you go to TrustSwap, you pretty much just drag and drop all the features you want. What are the parameters of your Safe Moon? fork, right? What do you you want to fork today? It's like, it's kind of like a, you know, what would you like to buy? And so you pretty much can just drag and drop like a Squarespace website, what you want to have a coin. And then you can overlay that with some technical development to make it customized. So um, for example, transhuman coin, you know, 2% 2% of the transactions go to the holders another 2% go to the marketing wallet so we can continue to promote transhumanism to the world and another 2% goes to the liquidity pool and so things like pancake swap adding liquidity wasn't available back in 2017 you couldn't just create a liquidity pool out of nothing and now you can you can actually Put your own crypto like Binance Coin against the liquidity and then lock it through these tools and show everyone that it's locked. Um, So yeah, all these tools are available now. um, And it's really democratizing communities to tokenize it. At the same time, like you say, a lot of Binance Smart Chain, you know, fraudulent activity like Squid Game. We won't talk about it, but you know, that's one of the key examples of what not to do. Um, as a token holder, when you're looking at these projects, right, Continue, not reviewing the contract, um, seeing these parts of the code where they can replace the contract that they market and then change the parameters so that you can't sell, so that you can't, the liquidity could just be pulled out by the original creators of the token. So yeah, got to watch out for those.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Like the the burst in activity that we've seen this year, and for better or for worse, has really kind of it feels like being in the space and i mean i've I've only really been in the space in like any meaningful way for probably 13 months or so now but it feels like so much longer because like the speed with which things are now able to happen because there are these low barrier to entry plug and play click and point toolkits out there that mean that you can you can fork whatever you like so what as you said like what would you like to fork today Um, it's super easy it's super user friendly and once you've got past that initial barrier to entry of like understanding how to directly interact with the chain then all of a sudden you have this whole suite of tools available to you from a from an investment standpoint from a community building standpoint that have just never really been possible before. And then the community around like these the different subsects, you've got like DeFi, you've got NFTs, you've got DAOs now coming in as well. So there's all of this massive amount of hype around anyone who's got an idea and the ability to run with it. So I can imagine like you coming into this space, which is <laughs> rife with Squid Game 1, Squid Game 2, Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, and whatever, and having <laughs> like an actual use case with these esteemed scientific advisors on the board and an already established community who've been looking for a way to make this happen in the first place like how has that experience been from like a community standpoint coming in with an idea and a community and then all of a sudden having access to the funding that you didn't necessarily (laughs) know you were being able to get like what has that been like
1: oh no it's it's incredibly challenging especially in the western world you know I, i was I was there organizing Ethereum Sydney meetups, you know, with Nathan Waters and the guys in the fintech space back in 2016 when the DAO hack happened, right? So they had a great community of Ethereum people. They're like, the DAO, the DAO, the decentralized autonomous organization is going to change the world. I remember making a video about it. It's like, yeah, get in the DAO. (laughs) And then, yeah, definitely back in those days, right, no one knew what they were doing, right? It It was so hard to have technical people review the code so that these exploits can be extracted. And that's what people remember. Right, so people going, oh, you want to create a DAO? I remember the DAO. They got hacked, and it's like, no, it was a bug, it was an exploit because people didn't know what they were doing. Right, even Vitalik didn't have the foresight to fully review the contract to actually identify those gaps. Um, So for us, trying to you know talk to the people in the Western world around cryptocurrencies, we're still getting a lot of that daily FUD. Right, it's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's bad for the environment. It's prone to hacks. It's illegal like it's only for legal activity all those things you have to get through right just to have a conversation about what the hell it is that you're doing and yeah. so with transhuman coin it was great that um it started in south africa because uh charles dr charles of he's a he's a cybersecurity expert right that's a great sort of tick in the start um, he's there, also yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a biochemistry background right and uh he, yeah. he's a, he's also he was a former pastor Right. That was sort of the, the sort of, uh, you know, random ran, ran point in the game. But he decided to go for be become a man of science. Right. Um, when when COVID hit, he, he saw what it was doing to his country, fellow country members, men, men and women uh, and the children over there. Like, you know, it's just devastating during the lockdowns. He's um, like, "What I'm preaching, it's, it's not working. People aren't taking the vaccine. You know, they have 22% vaccination rates over there. Um, so transhumanism was, was a way for him to actually help those people sort of convert from the religious to more scientifically focused. Um, and that's, that's where it all started. So he's, he's got about like 100,000 followers you know, across all his social media probably in the millions when you, when you count the reach. Um, but it was a great way to get sort of crypto-native countries like South Africa and Nigeria and all those African countries where, you know, they just, there were mobile banking before they had a PC. They just literally just, you know, didn't have a bank account. They just had their mobiles. And now they're crypto-native. So, um, you know, Nigeria is so threatened by this, the government is so threatened by this, but that they've issued their own. Central Bank Digital Currency, the E-Naira, right? E-Naira, Just to combat yeah. all this crypto trading. And so like that crypto adoption uh, in Africa was a great way for us to have a beachhead into transhuman coin. So like literally when it got... Um, minted um, and Charles and I started promoting this sort of to the broader public, um, yeah, we, we managed to get about 3,000 holders in the space of a month um, just, just through because of the crypto adoption. Um, and people, you know, knew Charles. We were a docs team, right, uh, and people in Australia knew me. He definitely had a lot more volume and success over there. And uh, for me, it was about onboarding those transhumanism people that were sort of crypto savvy. So it was good to have that sort of initial buy-in from the crypto community and the transhumanism community here in Sydney. And so together, we sort of met in the middle and uh, sort of tried to tackle the, the sort of African uh, and, and Australian economies. And then we onboarded the U.S. The U.S. is very challenging because Binance is, you know, having challenges with getting the bit not license. Not flavor of the day
0: at the moment, yep.
1: <laughs> Definitely not, especially not in New York or Hawaii, right? And yeah. uh, <laughs> we are technically registered there through the Delaware LLC. <laughs> this is <funny. laughs> But um, it's just funny that uh, that the US are having the most trouble, and uh, we had to do some direct, you know, know, trade trade over the over the counter facilitation of some of those initial purchases. But hopefully, now that we've got some other um, sexes and dexes and Swift blockchain solutions, where you know it's cross chain or bridge um, to uh, cross cross network trading, um, we now can do over 250 different crypto pairs uh, in terms of the DeFi solutions. So, oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, on the on the
0: way to to wider adoption. <laughs> but yeah, I can imagine. that It sounds as though you have, uh, for lack of a better phrase, many plates spinning at the moment, and it's it's keeping them all spinning at the same time sounds like a, it sounds like a a bit of a big ask. But I mean, I can imagine that having been in a position where this stuff has kind of been on the horizon but the funding mechanisms now haven't necessarily been there from like a from like an interest standpoint or from being able to connect with the right kind of community standpoint being in this position now and having that kind of forward momentum that is that is quite like not easy to build but can come quite quickly with with the right kind of projects in the space i can imagine that must be an incredibly <laughs> rewarding experience and
1: place to be at the moment yeah definitely and it's a roller coaster ride right because yeah. you know initially you don't Especially start with yeah. you don't stay. say I mean, like, you look at it it's like okay it's it's worth about half of what it was uh, oh no it's now three times Fantastic. more like, what? yeah. what's going on <laughs> But it's like, because, you know, these early projects, the liquidity is, you know, so low, like relatively low, 10% of the total market cap, you know, a minor sort of percentage trade can impact it by 100x in terms of the market cap. And yep. so, you know, our focus right now is, is getting more liquidity, um, you know, working with PancakeSwap to create, you know, a dedicated f- a pool for us to, for people to stake their transhuman coin, get a return on top of what they currently already earn on the economics, uh, but also, yeah, encourage more liquidity pooling and, and staking so that, uh, you know, it does minimize that volatility. Um, and at the same time, it's that if I was to be able to do this all over again, I would definitely go through something like an OMI fork, right? right at Olympus mm-hmm. for where yep, that about early liquidity, that, yeah, right? <laughs> the early liquidity grows naturally and then people don't get diluted if, um, you know, it, it continues to grow. And the great thing is, you know, transhuman coin is a max supply sort of limited liquidity, 7 billion transhuman coins, right? So this is, you know, trying to get everyone on the planet to become a token holder. It's transhuman coin, transhuman, nice, is like 7 it. billion. Yeah. And that's the dream. And so, you know, we started with that, um, but, yeah, if, if, if the technology was there, you know, like, like Olympus Dow, it's like, you, you know, you don't know what to adopt because the more you wait, the better things will come. But, yeah, we'll probably look to move to Olympus Dow fork in the future to sort of grow um, mm-hmm. in a sustainable way. Um, and same with the amazing things that the 3-3 and the Tree Trees guys are doing. Out yeah, there. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: No, absolutely. And I think the the... The speed with which the
0: space is moving and the the innovations that are being that are being brought about. I mean, as you said, like it was what four months ago that um, you launched the token, and arguably now with the uh, the number of Olympus Dalforks forks that have appeared, the first iteration of DeFi is borderline obsolete in some ways, and that was only <laughs> four months ago. Yeah, that's so. What. <laughs> how how does this happen so quickly? And but like, mm. going back to the transhumanism and in terms of what what you're doing like what are the, the you mentioned that there's like there's different silos different ways to approach it different people are kind of bringing different subsets of belief and different coming from dis, different disciplines into this space um are there any projects at the moment in particular that are getting you like really excited that you actually have a method of funding these things to see where they're going
1: yes it was just having a conversation um, literally uh, two days ago, right? So um, there is a company out there uh, that makes autonomous wheelchairs, right? the Tesla awesome. of wheelchairs, right? And you think about wheelchairs, the traditional business, you know, like very manual, very clunky. If you wanted to get an electric one, it's not a really big, expensive and, and hard to maneuver, right? Um, so we were speaking with uh, the guys behind Abbey, Right. This new solution that will look to make an affordable solution and open API so that you can interact it, connect it with um, different types of controls. Right. You have your traditional controls, but, you know, typically for the disabled, um, there's, it's an unaddressed market of 500 million people all around the world that need a wheelchair. Um, these people that, you know, don't, aren't able to move the controllers. Like, how are they going to, have to get around? Right. Autonomous is good, but then where does it go? Like, how do you tell it where to go? <laughs> and also, yeah. you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you choose to go certain, certain areas rather than just go yep. from point A to point B? So but these things could actually be integrated um, through APIs with either your vision, so you can use your eyes to move um, certain parts on the panel. This is also what SciKinetic is doing. Um, so Dr. Geordie in Australia, um, he's, he's got an entire platform around this sort of, um, I guess it's it's uh, site <laughs> to machine integration, but also the future version of it would be brain computer interfaces with yeah. these controllers. So think it, and it does it right. It's kind of like, a uh, you know, that um, Silicon Valley TV show. It's like, Sue, your smartphone, just think it and it will just do it. <laughs> it's like, when we'll get this, you know, our grandparents might one day. have But the funny thing is that that technology is here today. Um, the challenge you'll have is uh, what they call the elephant problem. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you, if you try to tell someone not to think about elephants, well, what comes out right it's yeah. like what do you think about and so if you're a person in a wheelchair that's using brain computer interfaces and you see a cliff don't think <sighs> about the cliff <laughs> Ooh, yeah that's a cliff. that's a
0: that's a that's a that's a moderate problem to have to overcome I think. <laughs> that's true
1: so it's going to be a convergence of accuracy in the thoughts and also the autonomous vehicles for collision avoidance and um you know that's a really cool technology to tackle but they're, they're the guys at abby are building this platform and it's called gogo tech the company um, and they're building this platform of autonomous wheelchairs for people to build on top of and address that 500 million market and that's that's like a transhuman initiative to me because you know we're talking about having real world impact for people that have a disability, but we want to have superhuman abilities and we want to make that donation to them to you know share that and be able to share that with the with the with the world. Um, and the way that our donations work is, is no strings attached. Right? We literally say, okay, just set up a metamask or you know a, a wallet address that it can accept transhuman coin on the binance smart chain or we'll make the donation like you don't have to do anything. Um, and that way sort of our community can indirectly, um, sort of fund those type of projects, and that's how we build. That's how we get the network effect, um, and eventually, you know, that's a, that's a way for other people that hold Transhuman Coin to make those donations directly as well to other projects. So it's like you know, pass it on, um, give forward, give it forward, and that sort of allows more volume transactions onto it. At the same time, as the value of Transhuman Coin goes up because of the network effects, the balance sheet asset value goes up, and so through DeFi lending, you can actually make liquidity out of that. Um, that's how you actually can borrow against an asset, and just like with Bitcoin and Tesla, having Bitcoin and Square and Twitter and all those companies, that's how we want Transhuman Coin to essentially represent that you support, you know, this sort of uh, future of transhumanism as a movement, but also, you know, that you think that this is, you know, an asset that will be, you know, something that you can hold as a hedge against all the, I guess, human things that are, that are limiting us. Right? It's a all it's a future of humans hedge exactly exactly transcend death right like know, the yeah. aging process at least right or you know you know accident mitigation through autonomous vehicles and all those things. that's, that's
0: fantastic I, and I'm I can imagine that this is obviously going to be one of one of many projects that you're you're working on at the moment and each of these projects is then going to have a, a different kind of sub-community that is por- forming a part of this the the wider kind of transhumanist movement um mm. In terms of you, you building your community around uh, Transhuman Coin, and then kind of, for lack of a better phrase, um, unifying these communities under under one kind of banner to then help um, in these various disciplines and various projects. Um, From where I am sitting and from from what you have told me, it sounds as though you have like a borderline kind of center of the wheel approach from uh, having an advisory board and you have um, these esteemed scientific advisors who are leaders and experts in their field and then semi-autonomous units around it that are working on different aspects. Again, to me, this sounds as though a DAO would be a pretty interesting way to, to move yes. forward and, and manage these things. So, do you have any plans to implement something like that going forward?
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's something that I'm raising in our dev meetings, you know, every week and it's sort of something that we want to make sure the community is ready for as well. Um, because, you know, right now we, we're sort of just focusing on getting all the community around a uh, transhuman coin. And that way, once we, once we have that sort of critical mass in the transhumanism movement, that's when we go, all right, let's, let's do a community vote on, you know, do people want this to happen because it will empower them to make actual governance voting and even make their own proposals. Um, and similar to how SingularityNet, uh, AGIX, cardano did with SingDAO, you know, that type of airdropping into the new DAO is actually relatively, you know, been tried and true. So you could actually do a quadratic type of distribution where, um, you know, that way we mitigate, you know, issues with whales as well. Um, but also, yeah, with the new DAO, that will empower them to issue these proposals and to be voted on. Uh, the current, like, current way we're doing it, yeah, is relatively centralized. So a scientific advisory board um, of esteemed scientists makes decisions on where that fund wallet donation goes. So it gets through approval um, chaired by Dr. Avinash Singh. And they're all independent, so they can't receive donations themselves, um, which will be uh, pretty pretty uh, bad to, to have if we, if we did. Um, and also we have um, dev team members that sort of vote on where we we take this sort of project as well. So we have the dev management team that determine what, what the technical uh, deployment of the future versions of transhuman coin will be. Um, and our NFTs, so we just uh, launched our transhuman coin neural astronomy zone ancillary or NASA NFTs uh, literally yesterday. So we, um, so it's available on THCNASA.com. And these NFTs are purchasable through BNB. And that way we can add more liquidity. We can pay also the developers and the designers as well, but also a, a contribute to the fund wallet um, through transhuman coins. So it'll create some uh, demand for transhuman coin as well. But these NFTs will empower people to say, okay, well, This is me in the transhuman metaverse. We're building out um, with our Singularity Group colleagues uh, this actual digital world like Decentraland and and Sandbox for transhumanists to actually create these matrix-type experiences. Uh, And we have an NFT gallery that we're having next Thursday uh, to go through what that initial proof of concept looks like um, in spatial. You know, very easy to use tools, you know, just like, you know, things that you could bring off the shelf with the, the coin minting. But yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. I hope you hope you can join us there as well. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. If I can do it, then I will be there. Definitely. I'll be plugged in as much as I can be. So I think that brings me quite nicely onto you mentioned um, uh, fostering community engagement and then being able to have the community more engaged from a, from a governance standpoint. Um, Obviously, with the with the nature of the research and the subject matter that you're covering and then the projects that you're looking into, there is a there is a high barrier to entry from a knowledge standpoint, from an understanding of the the context in which these things are happening and the the way in which decisions to a certain extent need to be made with these with that with with a prerequisite level of knowledge to to really kind of put these things together. Um, Naturally, I imagine then this then leads to a bit of a conundrum from an education standpoint in the community because having, I mean, equal engagement, uh, an equal opportunity for engagement in the, uh, in the community is, is essential from a DAO structure standpoint. How do you manage the education problem?
1: really hard. You should see how, how many times I've had to get on the phone to go through step-by-step of setting up the wallet, how do you buy Binance Coin through a centralized exchange, transferring it. No, don't give me your secret phrase. Don't share your screen. No, don't share your screen. <laughs> so it was predominantly IT support and moral support at the first instance. <laughs> and then it's about risk mitigation as well, like, you know, with the secret phrase and avoiding DMs in telegram you know it's like oh you know someone is impersonating you they think that you know should i be giving them my private keys is like no and so there's a lot of things to do in the education space that um, and also i guess from a product perspective to make it user friendly right you know we've they've had some improvements since 2017 with metamask but that thing has not sort of changed much like at all almost since then and consensus, I think they are having a lot of pipeline to build that out. Um, But yeah, there is definitely um, a gap in the market for secure user-friendly onboarding uh, system for non-crypto natives to get, you know, access to this. And the alternative, obviously, is centralized exchange listings, which we are doing. Um, so we currently listed on Coinsbit. Uh, we're talking about I.O., FTX, Binance, and those sort of uh, large players to make it easy for our community to, to buy transhuman coin. Um, but yeah, like it shouldn't be that hard, really, to, to get involved with the community, right? It's, it yeah. shouldn't be like a, you know, a 10-page step-by-step instruction that you have to follow. If you trip up on one of them, suddenly your coins are gone. Like, you know, it shouldn't be like that. Um, yeah, definitely okay, that's
0: fun, that's it? absolutely, yeah. I think the, the, the big problem at the moment yeah. is that a lot of the people that are operating in the, the blockchain space uh, and then the cryptocurrency space as a result... Um, are to a certain extent either from a technical background um, find themselves in the slightly more libertarian camps uh, and cypherpunk camps in terms of the the function that cryptocurrency should be serving um, in the future and then the wider adoption that is necessary to then really empower Communities such as yours, I can imagine, is is quite difficult because the people that are really passionate about this specific use case aren't necessarily going to have that level of technical knowledge and understanding to just kind of intuitively <laughs> grasp something um, in a in a way that means they don't give you your seed phrase, give them your, give you your them seed phrase um, without you asking for it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I th- uh, I, I, I applaud you from an educational. I applaud you from an educational <laughs> standpoint because it is it's a it's a big thing, and I think that's that's the next big problem to solve, um, which will then yield massive results for the space as a hell Is like how can we simplify the process of getting into the space? or if we can't do that how can we simplify the learning process of understanding how to get into the space and then once once that happens then we're off like that's when things really start getting fun
1: Exactly. And, to, and two thoughts on that one, you know, the, the mainstream entertainment and, you know, technology platforms will sort of try to make that happen, whether it's dystopian or not. But, you know, you've got okay. Novi wallet on Facebook and uh, you've got things like Ubisoft, uh, right? They just came out with their platform for yeah. NFTs on Quartz, right? So all the skins, the digits, and to uh, Ghost Recon. <laughs> Great point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's those large companies that will give people onboarding, just like access. Infinity did um, that it allowed sort of lots of players to get on board with crypto. Um, this is this is the journey. And Commonwealth Bank of Australia, Australia here down under has uh, started to allow uh, the trading of crypto on their platform. So we're talking about 10 million, you know, millions of users. Um, just, you know, okay, do you want to transfer your money from your home offset account to your, you know, loan account to then buy crypto? Like it's all in the one app. Wow. and people just be able to onboard so much better because all their kyc is already done through the bank account application process and then transferring that out to a DeFi wallet so the second part is well what if all these governments start to you know crack down on crypto trading so all the centralized exchanges start get banned because you know countries like china and india and Nigeria they just you know don't want to have competition around their monetary policy or fiscal policy so how do you get around that well I guess once you go into DeFi you're you're sort of safe right (laughs) it's all sort of before that that on-ramp that's the challenge and so how do we you know get people onto DeFi before it all cracks down or do we you know lobby to for governments to do it or do you become El Salvador where that's just you know buying apples <laughs> like what do you do yeah. how, how, how do we go about it right this is so many different um, ways that this is evolving um, but yeah. it's a really exciting time it's sort of time for the people that know stuff in the space to really shape it um, especially with the institutions that are getting on board but it's the community members will be able to help educate and um, push that to the DeFi sort of uh, on-ramp before uh, before any major mm-hmm. decisions get made. <laughs> awesome. Also,
0: I, I think uh, that, that leads us quite nicely to... Um, if you if you compare your experience in the in the DeFi space and the the non traditional finance aspects and the non traditional community building um, elements that you have here, how does being in this space compare to being to to what it was like before this was possible? So, 2014, for example, you start getting into AI, you start getting into these things, you you start the transhumanism meetup group. Did you ever look for funding at that point as well, or was that not a consideration? What could it could it have been a
1: consideration at that point? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if if I knew that it would have been that simple back then, right? If if that technology or ability to do it well, back then, that would have been so much more empowering and and scaling. Um, but you know, early on, we didn't know what we were doing. We were just you know trying to meet up with a for a beer, you know, a couple of pe- handful of people. Um, but then, as the community grew, and you know, we, we were like, "All right, how do we how do we scale? How do we empower the community members to actually you know, make an impact?" Um, that's when we started thinking, "Okay, what's the best way to actually you know get this done?" So, token tokenomics and you know cryptocurrencies uh, were just a, a, a match fit. For, for the type of need that we had as the, it was like transhumanism the community had product market fit all of a sudden through the marriage of transhumanism, <gasps> and it was just like after seven years we finally found product market fit and, so, and uh you know it was just really empowering since then um we should have done it earlier definitely should have done it earlier at least and iterated on that but i think because of the ease of use and thanks to our south african colleagues we're able to get off our butts and actually make it happen so um yeah it's really appreciate the community awesome. coming together like that
0: mm. so that uh, reminds me of the the proverb it's like the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago the second best time is now so yeah exactly. now is the, now is <laughs> the time now is the time indeed i think that brings me um quite nicely onto onto my last question then um It's obviously it's a massive community and you're you're moving towards a DAO structure is going to which is going to help um, empower the members of the community to to really start having what feels like a a real world impact and a personal impact on these projects as well. Um, This is something that isn't necessarily possible through your traditional kind of centralized means and your centralized governance systems to that end. Then what. Is the impact that you would like to see decentralisation and then more specifically DAOs have on the world
1: as a whole? <laughs> That's a big question.
0: Do we have time for that? Then we're going
1: to have an awesome discussion afterwards as well. Um, I've, I mean, this is this is now okay. What I see in the future is companies the traditional organizations right they they virtue signal they have impact reports ESG is all the buzz what I see in the future is what do they actually put on their balance sheet where they put their money where their mouth is what tokens do they hold what to, to show which which movements and which missions and which what purpose do they support And holding transhuman coin would be a virtue signal that they support transcending limitations of our human biology through science and technology. And individuals, how do you actually virtue signal that you support these movements by holding these tokens that support it? And what what it's really doing is that it's decentralising and enabling people to actually just not just donate and allow some other central authority to choose where their money goes, right? As we've seen with effective altruism and how they've measured that, you know, give directly is the way to do it. And cryptocurrencies is the ultimate way to give directly because, you know, it's verified on the blockchain that that person has received it in their wallet and so all of these technologies are enabling that decentralizing empowerment of giving directly to show what you support individually and as an organization what you support um so i I see that sort of it's a it's enlightening to help everyone i guess in the maslow hierarchy of needs self-actualize through this means um by holding onto these and donating and um ultimately that that final pillar that maslow didn't get to Add in this the self-transcendence where you're helping other people self-actualize but like that's ultimately I think where the cryptocurrency will be able to do um hopefully without the squid games and all along the journey but um, there will be hopefully enlightenment at the end of the day end of the tunnel
0: yeah <laughs> right, so there are there are bumps on the road to enlightenment as it were
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Peter. This has been this has been absolutely amazing. Um I would love to get you back on again in six months time or something to see how everything yeah. is going. I am looking, yes, we'll looking forward day. to the the transhuman DAO. Uh, yeah. and the, the ohm liquidity that is going to be coming flooding into the projects as a result
1: <laughs> can't wait oh, there'll probably be DeFi 3.0 by then but you know like <laughs> <there'll
0: be laughs> I, mean, someone I mean, that
1: have to pivot to <laughs> <laughs> but then it's been a pleasure thank you so much for organizing and having me on and um, yeah it's, this has just uh, been a great pleasure talking to you
0: awesome thank you so much again and everyone thank you very much for listening I hope you've enjoyed this conversation because I certainly have <laughs> that was the Dowstronaut podcast thank you very much for joining me on this exciting voyage through the uncharted territories of the blockchain universe please do make sure that you hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are choosing to listen today that way you are guaranteed to keep your seat on the fastest rocket into the decentralized future Once again, do remember to disembark the vessel safely and that nothing said on this podcast is financial advice. With that said, I hope you have enjoyed joining me on this quest and I will catch you next time.